0: Welcome to CurveBeam Connect. Listen in monthly as we talk with doctors and experts in the field, discussing innovations and insights into orthopedic imaging.
1: Welcome to the CurveBeam Connect podcast, where we give doctors, patients, and anyone interested in healthcare and technology a look into how our solutions are changing medicine. I'm your host, Vinti Singh, Director of Marketing here at CurveBeam. This episode, I'm sitting down with Dr. Frederica van Rietvelde, chief radiologist at AZ Koninga, a private hospital in Belgium. Dr. van Velde specializes in musculoskeletal and sports radiology. Welcome, Dr. van Velde. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. So could you start by outlining the nature of your radiology service is the service primarily provided for the internal orthopedic team at Koninga, or do you serve a larger orthopedic population?
0: Well, first I must uh, situate Azit Groningen a little bit. It's uh, quite a large hospital for Belgium. We have around 1,100 beds, which puts on us uh, in top of our uh, region. And uh, we are currently uh, having uh, 16 radiologists and 7 residents from different Belgian universities that offer... Let's say 24, 24, seven, seven, all possible imaging modalities, including uh, two cone beam CTs, of which one is the PET cut that we're using from Curve Beam. I can say that our orthopedic patients are mainly internal referrals, but a substantial part is also coming from other hospitals and private practices.
1: Okay, great. So it serves a wider community then? I must
0: even well say that since one of our foot uh, orthopedic surgeons uh, left recently, the major part of the upright cone beam CTs that we're doing now are mainly uh, from foot surgeons that are even not affiliated to our hospital. So we have a lot of uh, peripheral uh, referrals.
1: Interesting. That's, that's good to know. So when did your radiology department acquire your Petcat weight-bearing CT system?
0: Well, we first got acquainted with the system, uh, I think, in the beginning of, uh, or the end of 2016, beginning to 2017, and we acquired the system uh, during that year in 2017.
1: And what were the key motivating factors behind your decision to invest in the weight-bearing CT system?
0: Well, the possibility of performing a physiological weight-bearing investigation with a radiation dose that approaches that of our standard weight-bearing X-ray set was a a very strong motivating factor. It produced CT images together with 3D images and the X-ray views that we were used to, and that together with the dose aspect uh, completes the total package for us. We, of course, made a cost-benefit analysis, but because we don't uh, have to buy everything that we like, of course, we also have to think about benefits. And in mind of that analysis, uh, we could say that we would replace our standard weight-bearing X-ray set with uh, cone beam CT. So that's because also because the cone beam CT has a better reimbursement in Belgium than X-ray together. So together with the clinical advantages, it makes the decision for us quite easy at that time.
1: So when you say replace X-ray, your patients who need a weight bearing exam of their bones are they now getting a weight bearing cone beam ct scan in place of an x-ray completely
0: this was this was so in the beginning the first year when we have uh, we had a full reimbursement uh, that was the way we worked so we had a lot of exams each day uh, because they were all replaced by the cone beam ct but uh, then we had a little flaw in our legislation and that's that uh, was the reason why we had to change again to x-rays because it was uh, cheaper for the patient and for the community than to do a cone-beam CT at that moment only for, let's say, biomechanical problems.
1: So let's talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but first, for our American audience, could you describe how the Belgian health system is structured and how uh, imaging studies are reimbursed?
0: Well, I can say in Belgium, public health insurance is mandatory for all inhabitants. So you, you need to have it. So uh, you can't do without it. And for all imaging investigations, uh, the legislator decides the co-patient price. So there's a lo- the, the main part of the, uh, the cost of the exam is uh, carried by the insurance. But uh, you have a, a co-patient price that's on top of that. But for um, most imaging investigations, this co-patient amount is ridiculously low. So, the, um, let's say, the, the goal of, the, um, of the, the legislator is to avoid overconsumption, but they do this t- uh, with this co-patient price huh? so that they can keep their uh, budget in, uh, let's say, in balance at the end of the year.
1: So when you said that the legislative rules changed, a year into PEDCAT ownership, what does that mean? They, they changed the copay for cone beam CT scans specifically?
0: Well, the problem was that they were looking at, uh, let's say, regulating all heavy um, um, imaging modalities like CT and MR. So they wanted to register all those modalities in the different hospitals because they didn't have a clue of how many there were in Belgium. So, uh, they, they made up a list, but uh, by some flaw, some misunderstanding, they forgot the CBCTs. So, the CTs never got on that list, and for that reason, uh, we couldn't, uh, couldn't ask a reimbursement for uh, those exams. So, it was just, let's say, yeah, on a blue Monday that uh, someone forgot it, and yeah, then it got in a, in a bill, and because it got <laughs> in that bill, you couldn't reimburse uh, the next day. But oh. uh, they corrected it uh, for the, mo- the. It's all corrected now in the law and in the legislation, so we can uh, reimburse again uh, those exams.
1: That's great. And just for a t- reference time frame, when was that bill passed that issued the new rules for all advanced imaging modalities?
0: Oh, that must be uh, in the beginning of two days, 2018, I think uh, that was. Okay. And after like you say, one year uh, after we started, and then we had the, this this flaw in this legislation for nearly 2 years because mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time to uh, to to rechange a, a bill that already uh, has been uh, adopted
1: mm-hmm. and you were part of the effort to make sure that cone beam ct was recognized correct
0: I was—I had a little part in it. Uh, I must say, uh, like like every radiologist has had, that had that a cone beam CT and that was in that uh, s- that had the same problem as, as I had, we tried to uh, lobby, of course, and we have uh, a uh, national uh, radiologist organization who has some um, people in uh, those committees uh, that uh, decide over those legislations. So we we, we lobbied with them to uh, correct this. And uh, well, but even then it took two years to, to get it all done.
1: And what were some of the challenges that you faced? Why did it take two years?
0: Huh, why did it take two years? Um, that's, that's, that's a good question. I think maybe it's just bureaucratic slowness or how, do, how would you say it? It's, it's not that they, they didn't know that there was a flaw but it, it just takes that that amount of time and then we also have let's say a political crisis in belgium and that means that you don't have uh, a real government at that moment no real person that can decide or or can sign the bill for a long time uh, you only have a government that, that takes the let's say the daily things uh, that come uh, ahead but they, they can't really make new legislation so If you can't make new legislation, even if you need one, you can't make one. So that that was also a main problem and main reason why it took that long. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So you and the National Radiology Organization, what was the main crux of your argument for including cone beam CT as a billable exam?
0: Well, the thing is that uh, if, you, if you look in the legislation, it stipulates what a CT is uh, and um, if you look very, very closely, you can tell that column BBCT uh, also corresponds to this, uh, let's say, uh, particular parameters that they use. So it's, it, it should have been on this list. Uh, anyway so uh, there was really no reason why it shouldn't be on that list so they really never argued also that it's that that it was not uh, correct what we were asking they only said oh sorry we forgot it we have to correct it so it it, we didn't have that much trouble of uh, uh, let's say uh, persuading them that that they made the flaw law it's it's just that yeah it's just uh, regulations and they had to do to do it, and uh, they had to wait for the uh, si- signing of the uh, bill by the, uh, the the minister and so on. But it was not really a, a really an issue of discussion.
1: Okay, so the, it was not an issue of cone beam CT being recognized as inferior to CT. It was just a a lack of understanding. Or um, knowledge, because it was a relatively new
0: technology. Yes, yes, that was the main reason they didn't. They didn't know that that was also a CT, and that it had the same, let's say, um, parameters or knowledge behind it. It's just, yeah, let's say, um, not knowing what it was about that made that. That's was the reason why it didn't got on that list.
1: So now that it's back on the list, is it recognized exactly the same as medical CT in terms of uh reimbursement and and cost to the patient or is it in a separate subcategory of ct
0: no it's in a separate uh, subcategory for the moment um which is normal i think before it was in the same category of ct then it just fell out and now they made uh, a new subcategory uh, with another reimbursement which i find is very correct Uh, the reimbursement now is a bit regulated also they um had some, uh, let's say, uh, clinical indications that you need to have to get reimbursed. Not all clinical indications for beam CT are reimbursed for the moment.
1: Okay. Uh, and how does reimbursement compare in terms of the actual costs that the institution is receiving?
0: If we do uh, enough exams, and it's no problem. We can get uh, nice cost benefits. Um, but for the moment, we are, let's say break even uh, because we don't have that a lot uh, of exams for the moment. But there are many reasons for that. Of course, COVID is one of them. But I think we need to have around five to, to seven exams per day to, to get uh, a, c- a certain amount of, of, of benefit out, out of it.
1: Okay. Do you think that the indications that are accepted for cone beam CT should be expanded?
0: no i think i think they're quite good i think uh, for the moment i i understand the legislator they listened very well to the radiologists now so i think most of the clinical indications are correct those that are not in there are also correct in my uh, opinion Uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, that that doesn't mean that it can be expanded of course because uh, but that's maybe something we will address later i think there are more possibilities for this uh, modality than that we are using now.
1: And the rules in Belgium, do they require that you get an x-ray, a plain x-ray exam first before you can get a cone beam CT, or if the indications are there, you can get a cone beam CT exam first?
0: It's, uh, it differs. Uh, there are some okay. indications that you don't need an x-ray in front of it, uh, or mm-hmm. before that, but uh, there are also because let's say fractures. If you have a difficult fracture, or um, let's say a, a, a possible fracture but you're not sure, then you need to have an X-ray before. So for okay. this typical indication, you need an X-ray before. For the other ones, you don't have. So let's say preoperative evaluations and things like that. You don't need the X-rays in front.
1: Okay. And what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that cone beam CT could be the first exam if for a suspected fracture?
0: I think it could be, but uh, for the moment there's, 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 there's some reason why we, we don't do it or why we shouldn't do it. One of the reasons is I think if we can reduce the dose to or below the standard x-ray set, then the sky might be the limit. And uh, we can do uh, every exam then on the cone beam CT because there's no reason why we wouldn't do it. At this moment, there's no, I can't think of any answer cone beam CT cannot give, uh, which X-ray would or can. can. So Mm -hmm. uh, why wouldn't you do cone beam CT uh, instead of X-ray if it's the same dose or even Mm -hmm. less? So there's no reason why not to do it. The other reason of course is the reimbursement. Conebeam CT has a higher reimbursement than X-rays in Belgium at least. So mm-hmm. this would means uh, this would mean of course uh, a higher cost for um, for our insurance to uh, to do for every let's say for every normal X-ray you would say I do a conebeam CT now now that would that that would the budget would go out of balance then.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So, since you've had the weight-bearing CT in your service, what are some of the top indications that you are seeing orthopedic surgeons referring their patients for that exam?
0: Okay, I think the two most top uh, indications that we get, the first one is uh, the hind foot pathology and the preoperative evaluation of that. So the mm-hmm. main patients we get are patients with hindfoot biomechanical problems that are getting this uh, as a preoperative investigation or postoperative to uh, look for complications or see if let's say the biomechanical procedure has uh, been successful. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is uh, the the midfoot problems. There's a lot of midfoot uh, problems that you can't see on x-ray because of uh, uh, the superposition on x-ray and also the the fact that it's uh, not always weight-bearing. It's very subtle sometimes in the midfoot. A a subtle subluxation might cause a lot of problems with your patients, but you don't see it on the x-ray weight-bearing standing. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can't see it also because of the superposition. So th- I think that are the two main reasons why we, we need to do those exams. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as a radiologist with a specialty in musculoskeletal, did you find when this, uh, when you acquired this technology that you had to learn new concepts in, in lower extremity biomechanics or anatomy to, uh, read these scans in, in cooperation with the orthopedic surgeons for, especially for preoperative, uh, indications, for example, to make sure that you were reading them for the, uh, in the same context that the surgeons were looking at the scans.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's, it made quite a difference in our way of thinking. Um, of course, anatomically, that's no problem. We are uh, <laughs> well educated to, to look anatomically at everything and see where everything should be, or is it in the right mm-hmm. order, is the right position. So that was not really a problem. But mm-hmm. uh, the main problem was, uh, what does this orthopedic foot surgeon want? What, what, what answers does he look for? And mm-hmm. those were things that we didn't get before. The these questions we didn't get before, so we have we had to, uh, uh, let's say, um, meet with them and 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 talk with them and and look what what is, what is the reason that you want this exam? What response do you want from this exam? What mm-hmm. what can what things can we help you with? So that that was really a challenging thing. Yes.
1: And and how did you overcome that challenge? How did you? Uh, make sure that you and your team gained that knowledge in somewhat of a quick time span.
0: Oh, mainly by talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. mainly by talking to, uh, to our co-workers, uh, our um, orthopedics uh, that are in our hospital and that were demanding these, uh, these investigations. So that, that was the, the main let's say main way of getting knowledge of what we need to know but also, of course, getting online and, and looking up uh, using all those uh, Googles and whatever to see if uh, someone uh, has a nice article about it. So so that's, that's the way we did it.
1: What are some of the lessons learned in terms of positioning on the uh, weight-bearing CT scanner? Because up until now, we've only had supine and we've developed protocols how has your radiology department looked at positioning patients on the platform in a weight-bearing CT scanner?
0: Well, the main thing we changed from the beginning is that we are now scanning always two, the two foot together, because this is the most natural way of, of people standing. They don't stand on one foot, they always stand on two foot. So biomechanically, it's already better, I think. The other thing is that uh, we are quite a symmetrical species. So if you have a question about something in one foot and you're thinking about it uh, as like it's an anatomical variant or is not not an anatomical variant, then you look to the other foot and it gives you quite easy uh, the answer then. So we're always doing two foots for the moment.
1: As weight-bearing CT becomes more common, do you think that uh, educational programs, you know, Radiology uh, tracks in medical schools should adapt their curriculums to include this information.
0: Yeah, sure. That's that's that's, that's a straightforward question and straightforward answer. That should be, of course, be included. I, I must say that for the moment, I I'm not really sure if it is not re- already included, but I don't think so. So uh, I think they should include it. I'm also sure that in the university hospitals in Belgium, they don't use cone beam CT on the radiology department. So the trainees there won't get any uh, sight of it. But uh, Mm -hmm. they they all go for one or two years to uh, a a peripheral hospital. And if they are lucky, they come to us (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, they get acquainted with uh, the the cone beam CTs. But I'm I'm sure that also in the other peripheral uh, hospitals, they use also cone beam CT. So um, I think they get uh, acquainted a lot for the moment, but uh, it's not really standard in their program, no, mm-hmm. but it should be. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm sure we'll see uh, academic programs evolve as the technology becomes more common. So you mentioned COVID-19 a little bit earlier, and you mentioned that it did have an impact on your service. Did it have any impact specifically on how the weight-bearing CT imaging system was being utilized?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, I must say that during uh, the Belgian lockdown, uh, radiology departments only could perform urgently needed investigations. So uh, this meant, of course, that during this period of about two months, we did not perform uh, CBCTs. So now we're uh, upstarting again the system for, let's say, uh, one month and a half, and we're uh, doing our CBCTs as we do before. The only difference is, of course, that we yeah, we, dis- we disinfect, of course, the system between patients. Uh, all the, the things that uh, the, the patient touch, uh, touches on the system uh, is also uh, disinfected uh, between two patients. So that, that's the main difference. But for the rest, there's not really a different uh, approach.
1: OK. Would you say it's any easier to disinfect a cone beam CT system than a full body CT system? Or is it pretty much
0: the same? No, it's of course easier. It's uh, it's it's smaller most of the time, so uh, it's 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 a, a lot easier, and uh, especially for the weight-bearing system, the patient doesn't really touch a lot of the system, only with the mm-hmm. feet and with the hands. And if you go in a normal standard CT, you you go there in uh, laying down, so it's 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 a different different approach and. It, a different way of disinfecting. So it's it's easier on a cone beam CT as yes, it is.
1: I've heard it can take up to an hour to properly disinfect a room between patients in a supine CT. So you would say it's much less time with a cone beam CT?
0: It's much less time. I must say that one hour seems a bit a lot. Uh, we, we have also, also of course, um, a protocol for what's, for our, um, our CT. Uh, which is uh, not an hour, I must say, in our hospital. So it's a little Mm -hmm. bit less.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, And then there's also been discussions in other countries uh, during COVID-19 about how to treat orthopedic patients, especially because you want to reduce the number of hospital visits and doctor visits And enhancing telemedicine, and there's been discussion about using cone beam CT in the emergency setting, so if there is a suspected fracture, that you, instead of doing an x-ray exam, you get a more definitive answer with cone beam CT, uh, and that also allows for more informed telemedicine visits with the orthopedic surgeon. What is your thought on that? Do you think that cone beam CT could have a place in the emergency department?
0: I think it could have a place, uh, certainly. Uh, but as I mentioned before, the main problem here is uh, the um, the cost of the um, because the reimbursement is higher. Well, in Belgium at least, uh, so I don't think we would be able to do this, let's say, forever, if the cost of the CT is not lowered. Uh, so um, it's, it's good for uh, let's say a certain uh, periods where you have challenging problems like covid and you mm-hmm. you would uh, try to um, reduce the visits of the patients uh, also to the, reduce the, the possible um, infection that you can have when you have to manipulate patients a, a lot so mm-hmm. i think for a period, it's it, it has it has uh, a lot of uh, credits, but uh, at the long term, it's only possible in my my opinion if the reimbursement is at the level of X-ray, uh, which is of course not uh, uh, in my favor. <laughs> but uh, but it means that you c- that you can replace any X-ray of uh, of extremities then by a cone beam CT. If, if it would be like that, there's even no reason to do an X-ray. Uh, in my opinion, you should do a cone beam with everyone. Uh, so uh, if the dose is low enough, that's one. And if the mm-hmm. reimbursement is low enough uh, to uh, keep the health insurance uh, budget in balance, there's no reason to do an x-ray anymore. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. That, that makes sense. Um, so it, it sounds like you understand the technology, you've embraced the technology, you work closely with your orthopedic surgeons, would you say that that's the same attitude of most other radiologists in Belgium, or would you say that you are kind of an outlier?
0: Oh, it, I think we're, we're kind, of, kind of an outlier for the moment, uh, especially about weight-bearing cone beam CT, because for as long as I know, there are not that many uh, uh, modalities for weight bearing community in Belgium. So we, we get refers from quite far in Belgium, quite far in the States is not that far, but here in Belgium, if you say 50 kilometers, <laughs> that's far. So, <laughs> um, so I think we're quite an, an outlier for the moment. But uh, I'm I'm I think if, if there were more modalities uh, around or uh, the knowledge uh, with the radiologists would uh, improve or the, the, let's say the understanding of the, uh, the cone beam CT uh, advantages, then I think uh, it might uh, change uh, quite quick.
1: What advice would you have for other radiologists who may right now be receiving requests from their orthopedic surgeons uh, to look at this technology and think about acquiring it? What would you say to them?
0: Well, the first thing I would say is make good agreements. Talk to your orthopedic foot surgeons before starting uh, to make your cost benefit analysis. These good agreements are important because uh, for example, in in our uh, hospital, the initiating foot surgeon, the one that really got us interested in the machine is at this moment the worst (laughs) referrer. So so you have to make a good, um, let's say uh, agreement with everyone. And see that everyone is is, is on track to get, uh, let's say, a, a good solution for the patients, and that they get the right exam at the right moment.
1: Mm-hmm. So, based on what you're saying, where your where your top two indications that you're seeing, if you have an orthopedic pool of surgeons that are doing a lot of, uh, you know, hind foot corrections and midfoot corrections, if if they're if they're doing those type of osteotomies and and. Uh, joint replacements and things like that, and as long as they're educated about the technology and know when to indicate it for for pre planning or even for post operative assessment, you're you're going to have a, a healthy referral base.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that that's the main thing. Uh, I think there's a a lot of radiologists, but also a lot of orthopedic foot surgeons that that need to get more instructions more. Uh, knowledge about uh, the possibilities and uh, when to do it or when not to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Is your radiology department doing anything to be kind of that knowledge provider, or are there other resources that they need to look to?
0: No, we're uh, we're quite proactive in this. I've made several publications in uh, regional and local medical uh, magazines to get uh, the modality. Uh, known by everyone uh, I also um, talked at at the meeting where um, guy the guy long uh, one of your uh, co-workers was uh, mm-hmm. also to present a part so uh, I think there's, there's there's some educational things you can do as a radiologist mm-hmm. proactive to uh, ensure that uh, the machine is is well used and and used in the right way mm-hmm. well um
1: I think that's very instrumental. And it's it's nice to hear that you're acknowledging that radiology has a part to play in the education of the use of the device. To close this interview, would you have any final thoughts or parting thoughts that you would want to leave your radiology colleagues with?
0: Well, the main thought I have and I want to share is that I think you have to open your mind to all possible new things that are there in the market. So um, sometimes you will meet something that's, uh, that doesn't interest you or uh, that you don't find interesting <laughs> or that you don't see the benefits. But just keep an open mind and, and look at it. And, and if you think it's interesting, then talk to uh, the ones that might be the ones that uh, prefer, uh, refer to you yeah. in this particular part, the orthopedic surgeons, the foot surgeons, but be open minded. That, that would be my thought. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. And, and what about from a, a legislative perspective? Because there are certain reimbursement uh, criteria, even in the United States and in other parts of the world. Uh, what would you say about kind of being on the forefront of demanding legislative change for Cone beam CT?
0: Oh, that's a difficult question. Uh, it's also a, it's also always a different, a difficult balance that you have to do as a legislator. I'm of, of course thinking as a radiologist, and the patient is thinking as the patient. But the legislator has to think as a legislator and has to think about budget balance. So I, my main, let's say, uh, advice would be: come together. Let's keep get all those people together with different minds and different perspectives before you decide how to reimburse something because you're always looking at with your own glasses to the to those questions and you're about to or about to to make the the wrong decision anyway so if you get everyone there together that's that is let's say uh, interested in the in this, uh, then you get think I think the best reimbursed uh, measurement that you can uh, make. So get everyone together, don't decide it on your own. That would be my uh, advice.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's good advice for um, lots of different things. Always include other opinions and you're yeah. going to come up with a better solution. Um, well, if anyone listens to this podcast and would be interested in connecting with you, is there uh, any channel that would be best for them to reach out to you?
0: Oh, they, they can uh, reach me, whatever channel they like. They can mail me if it's, they can even phone me if they like, I, I'm always available.
1: <laughs> Great, wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for your time. We look forward to seeing how uh, weight-bearing CT imaging continues to progress in Belgium under your leadership.
0: Thank you very much for uh, your attention. Thank you.